Time now for Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101 ESPN. All right, away we go. This is Scoops with Danny Mac. This is the Friday edition. Welcome into the program. 65780-65780. That is the text line. Uh, a goober burger in Sedalia. We have peanut butter on them. No, I'm not doing it. We were just talking about that on the crossover. Just give me cheese, bacon, a little lettuce, a little ketchup. Count me in. That's all I need. Let's stop with the peanut butter jelly that Randy's talking about. It's disgusting. No. Just give me plain cheese and ketchup. I know I'm still a kid. (laughs) It's okay, man. It's all I need. Uh, Let's see. 636, I will never stop high-fiving or shaking hands, okay? Um, I'm I'm happy with just a little fist bump anymore. I think the, the handshake may go out. That's where I'm at. Don't know. Let's see. In 2021, seven inning doubleheaders on every Saturday or Sunday. Pick one. Could shorten the season three or four weeks. I, I just think I think fans are into it, Scotty. I, I you know, we're going to get plenty of them coming up. I guess we have eight still left on the schedule, eight or nine. I need to look. I'm kind of they're all running in together. There's eight or nine still left. I really like the seven inning doubleheaders. It just puts a premium on every play. Just seems more magnified. I like it. I think as I talk to fans, they seem to enjoy it. They're more engaged in the game. Uh, game. They're enjoying it. They like it. Uh, you get into the fifth inning, it feels like you're in the eighth inning. I think fans like it. I, I'd like to hear from fans about that. If they don't, tell me why. If you do, tell me why. But I, I do think, generally speaking, fans are enjoying it. Yeah, I can tell you from my perspective, I love watching it as a viewer. I mean, talk about having a game, and then right after, you have a quick post-game show, and right then, you're ready to go again. I mean, for ha- having a game, the actual game experience of itself, to watch and understand that each pitch, each at-bat is that much more important. And yesterday, I know it felt like the games flew by a little bit, but it's 8 o'clock, I'm in my house, and I'm like, holy crap, two games already happened. Like, I'm not like, oh man, we got we got baseball for another three hours. Not that I dislike that, but I think that would be the only drawback that fans say is like, if you have a doubleheader, it's like, man, this is going to be a long day of baseball. But you do it on a weekend. What are you doing on a weekend anyway? Make it a day. So if it's during the weekday, that's one thing, but do it on a weekend. Do it on a Sunday. Do it on a Saturday. Make a day of it. Go down to the ballpark with your family. Or if you're a kid, they've, they've got, you know, the Budweiser Terrace, you're up there and you're, you're having fun. You know, I mean, that's... That's how you do it. And I wonder, too, if you're a family and you're going to a doubleheader or even if you're going to the first game of the doubleheader and you go out and you're going to do other things at the ballpark, the game's moving so fast. So some of these families that are just there to do the extra stuff at the ballpark is like, oh, man, this is action now. Like the sixth inning, like this is basically the eighth and the ninth. Like we can stay for this whole thing instead of, oh, man, it's the seventh. Cardinals are down by two. Maybe we should take off early. Like, no, you're, you're there because it's not it's not dragging along. 314, love it, makes every inning feel important, feel in quotation uh, marks. I, I agree. I, I just have that same feeling, too, that when you get that run or two, it just has a different feeling to it. Uh, Danny Mack, why has the defense been so bad, so poor? Um, I'm not sure. I'm going to talk about it with Derek Gould. I'll ask him about that, too. Um, I'm, I'm just not sure we've seen, like, the everyday – lineup out there because you're trying to save guys get them off their feet um which would be the goldschmidt wong de young edmund infield you're just not seeing them out there every now wong committed an area yesterday it's gonna happen it's rare when he does but um 
we're not seeing that group out there collectively together. I think if they are, your 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 defense is short up. I thought the outfield defense, by the way, was tremendous yesterday. Uh, disappointing game, though. Disappointing doubleheader. Disappointing uh, that they lose those games. And Mike Schilt was asked about it. The Cardinals, in particular, they're starting pitching. And the starters, KK, very good. Oviedo, very good in game number two. I mean, you know, you feel like you got great starting pitching on both ends of the doubleheader. And um, going in, we were comfortable and confident we were going to get you know, five, six innings out of the starters, which is what we did, and um, got two earned runs, and that was, uh, we would have taken that every day of the week, but didn't, wasn't enough for us to bring one home, or, or two. So now you have 38, Randy was mentioning this, 38 games in 32 days for Mike Schild. I'm confident we have the depth to handle it. I mean, you know, clearly we're going to have to be thrifty with it, um, be smart about it. You know, we're going to clearly need to pass the ball around. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we're going to have to continue to um, throw strikes. And, you know, we've got to play as clean as possible and not give extra outs. That's the bottom line. You've got to get back to fundamental play. You know, I mean, like I say, we, we're not going to play um, clean all the time. But, yeah, I think, you know, you get, we've given some – we haven't played as clean as we'd like to. You know, game one was a little indicative of that. And, um, you know, we're going we're gonna to make our mistakes. Um, but we need to play, you know, continue to play clean, fundamental baseball. We'll be just fine. Well, I, I think that's the part that you have to look at. That's what cost them. They just didn't play clean. They get back to that. They win a couple of games. It's cost them a couple of games. So they're back to the 500 mark. If you hover around 500 in this odd, weird season in 2020, you're in postseason play. This was kind of the soft portion of the schedule with Kansas City, at least in this homestand, Kansas City and Pittsburgh. Now it gets a little bit tougher, and you've got Cleveland coming in tonight. Danny Mack, um, love the show. Thoughts on starting the runner in second and extra innings and that rule. Thought, you know, first time I saw it in person. First time I saw it in person was yesterday. Um, I've seen it in softball plenty of times. I never, ever thought I'd see it in Major League Baseball. Saw it on TV. Hadn't seen it in Major League Baseball in person. Um, There is a lot of strategy that goes into it. Number one, where you're at in your own lineup. Um, If you're at the bottom of the lineup, I'm bunting. I just am. I know some people are like, why are you bunting? Why are you giving up outs? I'm bunting. I just would do that. I'm getting the runner to third. Also, I'm thinking about if I'm home or road. Um, Because at, at that point, you could be playing with house money if you're the home team depending on where the score is. Um, I, I just, I kind of like it. And I'm a traditionalist. I didn't think I'd like the DH. Now I see the DH with where the Cardinals are with their pitching. If they didn't have the DH, man, they'd be in trouble. I kind of like it. I maybe have to be sold on it officially, but I kind of like it. I'm on, the, I'm, on, I'm on the other side, Dan. I don't think I like it. I don't know. I, I Give see me it. some reason, all baby. Right, all right. So when I'm watching the game and I see that, you know, draw Dyson gets to start on second base and I'm like, wow, okay. So this is probably going to be at least a run coming around. Okay. So that, that I'm all right with. So if he, if he scores, you know, same, you know, equal opportunity for both sides there. But the Cardinals got the first out. They got the out. They were in the driver's seat. Right. And I'm talking even bigger picture than this for the actual uh, rule is that if you have somebody that you can throw it to second base, I mean, you talked about the strategy and I love the strategy angle, but as a viewer, I'm like, man, like they're already starting with their fastest guy in second base. 
And why is this something that we're doing? I understand that it's speeding up the game, but I am fine with the seven innings because that's just moving the game closer. But we're like actually changing the game. Like a lot of these other rules really aren't changing the game. We're kind of making it the same for everybody. But when you're starting a guy in second base, like you and Ricky were joking about it. What do you put in your scorebook? Like you're changing the game. And that's what I don't like. But it's 2020. You're trying to get guys off the field. That's the whole point. So this was a doubleheader. Let's just say, say it was a nine inning game. And clearly what you're trying to do is get guys back to the hotel room or back home. That's why you're doing it. I, I don't see them. You're also trying to save arms too, because it's short in season. And what you're trying to do is get guys back home, get them back out away from each other. Let's get away. That's why you're doing it. Um, in terms of baseball, I think there's a lot of strategy, man. Would you bunt? Straight steal? How do you play your defense? Where you at in your lineup? Do you go for broke? Do you pull the ball to the right side? What you're trying to do? Got to think those things. So the intensity kicks up to another gear. Sure it does. I mean, you're man after managing how do a you full game. Him? It's like, oh man, now all of a sudden we have this whole new thing to play with. And the Pirates, they've had advantages of it. You noted it on the broadcast. This wasn't their first time being in the situation. You also noted about how the Cardinals have practiced in this situation. But I think it's so much different to actually be in it in a game where you're like, hey, you know, we're playing the Pirates. We really need this one. And then to actually be in it in live performance. Yeah, I mean, it's it just... I just thought it was a lot of strategy that went into it. There's a ton that goes in, bunting, not to bunt, pull the ball right side, how you pitch the, the guy at the plate. Um, I don't know. It's just interesting. Uh, it was first time I saw it. I'd have to be sold on it for sure to keep it in the game. It does save arms. I mean, you got through the game. I mean, if you if you were in a normal game, extra innings, that thing would have kept going on and on and on and on because we're not seeing a lot of offense. That's the other problem in the game right now. We're just not seeing offense across the board. All right, let's get to Derek Golden. We'll do that in just a moment. I'm uh, getting a ton of texts in. I appreciate it. We'll get to some of those later in the show. This is 101 ESPN. Let's talk it over with Derek Gould of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. And uh, Derek, I, I think, well, first of all, it's always great to hear your voice. And uh, happy weekend to you. Happy weekend to you. That's That's number one. How are things going? Well, thank you, Dan. It's a pleasure to be here to talk with you, to talk a little baseball. Uh, I, I think, our, all right, everybody's healthy, um, so that's the important thing. Everybody in my family is healthy. Uh, so I'm getting ready to start high school, so that's uh, that's a, an exciting time. Um, but uh, but the most part is, or the biggest part is, is that we're all uh, we're all together for you know for a weekend, and it's nice to be around to be there for my son as he starts something that. Uh, is be it will be memorable, um, even though it's virtual. Absolutely. Um, let's talk a little baseball too. So the Cleveland Indians are in town. I thought yesterday was really though a missed opportunity when you had the Pirates in town. You had chances to win the both those games of the doubleheader. You're coming off a, a really an exciting win the night before. Uh, what's what's been your takeaway just in general from the? I haven't talked to you since the Cardinals have come back of the 17-day the layoff. So just in general, what have you thought of the Cardinals and in, in coming back in and getting back in play? No, I thought that what they did in Chicago was very impressive to get through those eight games in five days with three doubleheaders and come out 4-4, four, four, um, to take two games in Wrigley, to be in every game really at Wrigley, um, to have a couple of those games lost basically on you know the the pitches by two relievers um who were covering innings i think 
you know, that was very impressive how they negotiated that, not just as players first and foremost, and the performances they got from some of those young pitchers or the parade of guys making a debut, um, but also just how they also managed the roster from the front office. And then what Mike Maddox did as the pitching coach and what he was able to orchestrate along with manager Mike Schilt. I think and probably Mike Maddox didn't get enough credit for what he was able to pull together, which was essentially two weeks of spring training and five days with um, 18 different pitchers. Oh yeah. And the games count. Um, that, that was really remarkable. And I think then on the other side is the, the fact that the Cardinals come home, they play well against the Reds. They, you know, they, they assert their place in the division against the team that is, has what the brand is hashtag take the central and the Cardinals had a series where they said, yeah, okay, good luck with that. Um, and you know, enjoy below 500. And then the Cardinals, you know, got humbled a little bit. They did not take advantage of the soft spot. Um, they're the gooey nougat of this homestand. They needed to rally late to take two of three from the Royals and they got swept by the worst team in baseball. Yeah. In a seven inning doubleheader when they had one of their better starters and one of the more impressive rookies ready to start and cover as much as 12 innings of 14 innings on a Thursday, and they lost both. And, you know, 500, when that's how you got there, is disappointing. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I, you know, going into the season, I, I think everybody saw, thought that the pitching would be good, the defense would be where it was a year ago. And then you're kind of hopeful with the offense it would come together. Now you have to be a little concerned about the defense. Um, what are your concerns as to why the defense has faltered a little bit, especially on this homestand? I think because we've so rarely seen the starting infield um, together. I think, you know, you think about that. Let's think about the infield defense as sort of a hockey line, right? Um, we've seen a lot of line changes and not a whole lot of the top line together. Um Paul obviously missed time as he was on the COVID-19 IL. Uh, you know, Cold Wong has been out there every day unless there's been a doubleheader. And same with Paul Goldsmith. He's been out there every day, but not always at first base because of the DH being available. So you've had this kind of carousel where the only constant in the infield really has been Tommy Edmund, who's been always. And, you know, he's a strong third baseman, reliable third baseman, um, got a good enough arm to play third base and, you know, might be part of their best defensive infield at third base. But he hasn't been there, you know, except for, you know, one because he had to play shortstop for a while. So I, I don't think you've seen the um, top line defense together enough to get in rhythm. And I do really think that that layoff, um, while we talk about the pitcher's arm strength and the hitter's timing, I think we also should probably recognize, as Paul DeYoung kind of described, that first step on defense kind of lacks yeah. when you come back from that kind of layoff. It's not it's not being able to play the nine innings. It's the ability to be explosive at the moment you need to. And I think we've seen some of that, too. I mean, and then Brett Miller at third, I mean, he's, you know, he's got a strong arm. Um, and has shown it at times, um, sometimes with throws that are errors. And so you, you haven't quite seen the gel um, that was a constant for last year come together for many reasons. 
Derek Gould of the Post-Dispatch, my guest. I, I think we've seen some of the good of Dylan Carlson, the good arm, uh, the fact he can play all three outfield spots, a little bit of power. Um, he, he's just even keel. Uh, I, I think he's going to be fine. The numbers haven't been great, but what are your what are your impressions of, of watching Dylan? Well, first, I thought he – I mean, the outfield defense, we talk about the infield defense. The outfield defense was really good during the doubleheader. Absolutely. Things. You know, so, I mean – yeah, that allowed the Pirates to sweep a doubleheader with only six. They had some base hits robbed from them. Um, I thought that Dylan in right field in the second game had, was really impressive. As again, as odd as it sounds, it was like, well, he made some really tricky plays look routine, and you can push back on that, Dan. But I thought, no, I agree. Yeah, he good jumps, good reads. Um, you know, smooth, calm. Um, I think he has a true arm. Like so, he throws the right base, throws on on a line. Um, even gave the Royals a sneak peek at it, and they still tried to test him, which I thought was odd because it was like it was right there in front of your eyes. Why why did you not pay attention a few innings earlier? Yeah. Um, you know, I like he, he telegraphed that he can do that and would do that, and you still tested him. It was odd. Um, but whatever. Um, I think offensively, um, I really get the sense that he's in third gear and about to shift to fourth and go on a, on a little bit of a tear here. You just look at some of the peripherals or you watch him and see it. Um, you know, he, he went through that period where it's seen on so many off speed pitches, a lot of soft contact, kickouts, things like that. Clearly, I mean, you can read something into the fact that what he was one for 15 with runners in scoring position, 0 for 14 to start. So one for 16, 0 for 14 to start his career with runners in scoring position. I mean, to read into the moment there. Um, I just think you see a guy primed. Um, you know, he has, he's damaged, he's done damage on some off speed pitches here. Teams are adjusting. Um, he's probably going to see more fastballs, um, where he's hitting the, has changed a little bit. Um, I, I just, I think it, he's like on the brink. Like I said, he's, he's in third gear. You're not quite seeing him at full speed yet. You're not quite seeing him, um, offensively take flight, but he's about to, you know, pop the clutch and shift, as you, um, and go on a streak. As you talk to your counterparts around baseball, and and then on your thoughts on the Cardinals too, just the activity of the trade deadline. How how active do you think this thing will be locally and then nationally too? Locally, oh, that's a great question. So, how would you define active locally? Like, it's gonna be active. It just might not be active with trades. It's gonna be the Cardinals trying to figure out how to sneak guys through uh, waivers and stuff. Yeah, that part will definitely, yeah, they're going to have to be tricky with that. Well, it's going to get tricky with that because of the 40-man and just all the, you know, doubleheaders coming up. It's just the way it is. Right, and they may not go into those doubleheaders with the same depth that they went to Chicago because of waivers, which is why now strategy comes into play, right? Like, do they use the trade deadline as their cloak to then – slide guys through waivers who may not get taken or do they use the trade deadline to try to trade some of these guys to then get players who maybe they want for next year and aren't then put on the 60 um you know this this is this is a riddle for the cardinal um i would not expect them for a couple different reasons to be um hugely aggressive um at the trade deadline unless 
something comes their way, like I don't know if they'll be active shoppers, but if somebody comes their way, they wouldn't turn away a conversation. Um, they recognize that they could benefit from pitching depth. Does that mean that they maybe maybe cast a few lines for relievers that would help them? Yeah, that would that would make some sense. But then again, you're back to the forty man um, tango, right? Yeah, and they have to get through that um, that puzzler first, um, or at the same time. What about the, the just the national perspective of this? Do you think it'll be active? Uh, I, I don't get that. Um, I think uh, there are a lot of teams that are wrestling with the other part of this is, um, you know, how do you trade somebody in a pandemic? Um, how exactly do you trade somebody who maybe hasn't played in a while? You know, you don't see the kind of like the bubbling look at lower prospects because there was no minor league season to trade. Um, you also have teams that are really concerned about their bottom line. Um, especially when it comes to what their payroll might look like coming out of this and into 2021. Um, so I, I don't, you know, and then, and like I said, you do hear teams and you want to take them at their, at their word that they're struggling with what is the right thing to do. Um, you know, the Cardinals are in that case and I'd love to get your opinion on this, Dan, is do you think given all the Cardinals have gone through, together as a team um, with the outbreak with the, you know, getting through the survival in Chicago with, you know, players now coming back, prominent players coming back from the COVID-19 IL, like Yadier Molina and Paul DeYoung. Do you think it's right to make a trade or do you think it's right to say, Hey, this team has been through a lot together. Maybe it deserves a chance to go through the whole thing together. Well, I also think you're still kind of trying to figure out who your team is. I mean, you yeah, played 20 games, well, you know, or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah, but like to that larger kind of almost sure. ethical question. Right. I mean, what do you feel about that? I mean, you are when you're trading a player, you are talking about trading a family in a lot of cases. When you're trading a player, you are talking about moving a player from one team bubble to the next. I mean, whew, there's there's a lot there. Yeah, there's a lot there, but this is business. And, you know, it's a team that – is trying to win and again everybody signed up for it you know what you're in for so i uh hey as a lot of people say we're open for business that's kind of the way i look at it yeah i mean i can appreciate that i also just can't quite make that last step to that it's only business understood um in terms of is this a playoff team and i'll wrap it up with this what do you think well um I think everybody gets in the playoffs, right? That isn't tanking. So sure. I would say, I think so too. I, I think, what is it? 16 teams are going to go in. Yeah. So you Eight hover from the national league. Yeah. You hover around 500. You You're get in. in, you know, Yeah. you get sure in. It would help them to beat the pirates a few times. That would help. And they're going to play a pretty good team tonight in, in Cleveland. So not they, 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 this is, this is a stretch, Dan, where the Cardinals, could face their their real reckoning um and it's all uh before they get to the part where they have so many double headers in so few days so i i think cleveland is a very good team um a very good pitching team which given the offense that we've seen from the cardinals should send up warning signals right away and that's a concern um for them how are they going to score runs against a team that is really good at suppressing runs and then they don't want to be part of the Reds revival. 
you know, they go to Cincinnati. They don't want to be part of that Reds revival. That's a good team that is trying to figure out how to be a good team. And if it happens at the Cardinals' expense, then the Cubs will will probably take advantage. This this could be a defining week in a lot of ways for the Cardinals. And it starts with Cleveland and then it goes to Cincinnati and whether or not Cincinnati wants to make the same kind of stand against the Cardinals that you think back to what the Cubs did in 2014. Great stuff, Derek, as always. Love reading your work in the Post-Dispatch and STL today and uh, appreciate your time on this Friday morning. Thanks. It was a pleasure, Dan. Thanks for having me. That's Derek Gould of the Post-Dispatch. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. And Yachty hits one out to deep left. At the wall, gone! Yadier Molina, his first of 2020, and he's tied it. It's tied 1-1 on Yachty's first of the year. Well, you thought at that point, okay, little momentum. Okay, they're going to come back. They've been doing it. They're the cardiac cards. No, didn't happen. Didn't happen. You know, going back, Scotty, to thinking about that eighth inning and remember how you have some of the the changes you can make in that eighth inning. So they were at the bottom of their lineup, which was in the eighth inning, essentially being extra innings in game one of the doubleheader. The Pirates did. They had... Will Craig, who was their first baseman making his major league debut, he made the final out. So if you make the final out, you started second base. Then they went with Gerard Dyson. So they had to, that's part of the strategy here. They went and pinch ran with Gerard Dyson, who then has to stay in the game. Craig is out. So they're kind of going for broke at that point. Um, by the way, ironically enough, Gerard Dyson, I believe, has just been traded this morning to the White Sox because they want to get that speed for them, for these kind of situations. So there is some strategy here. They go with Gerard Dyson. They don't move him over. And the key was they got the Cardinals got the first out. And Gant made a pretty good pitch then to Tucker. Tucker hits it off the end of the bat. Dyson scores. And then the wheels kind of came off. Cardinals came back. A real issue right now for the Cardinals. Runner at third, less than two outs. They, they're just not getting runners in. They're not getting runners in. Yeah, there was definitely a problem for the offense. Because, you know, John Gant's been nails, man. I mean, you, really good. you had the pitching in that first game was outstanding. He only he was he only allowed the only earned run of the game for the Cardinals. I mean, with all of those errors, it was such such a hard possibility. But you you know you still had a chance in the eighth. Oh yeah, you had the you had the tying run at third base with less than two outs and couldn't bring him in. And then obviously not a lot of offense in game two. So turn the page and look ahead to Cleveland this weekend. Uh, 319 Danny Mac here and you with Derek Gould. Love your show, by the way. Do the Cardinals shop for a bat or bullpen help talk and trade deadline? Look, if you're going to look for an improvement on the team, I don't think it's with pitching. I just don't. If you were going to do pitching, it would just to get arms to cover some of the games that you have because you have all the doubleheaders coming up. Their pitching has been sensational. Their pitching has given them a chance to win any of the games that they've been in for the most part. Um, then the, the thing I see right now with the offense is just trying to find some type of protection behind Goldschmidt. He's, you know, we talk about the walks. Um, it's been, what, 11 or 12 games in a row that he's drawn a walk. Um, that is a byproduct of the fact that he knows he's not being pitched to. He's being pitched around. He's a smart player. He's fundamentally sound, and he's just not going to chase very often. It'll happen every once in a while. It happens to any guy. 
but they got to find some kind of thump in the middle of their lineup to the point that the 618 text is the Cardinals are lacking power right now. Yes, they are. And if you look across the board in Major League Baseball, what are the three outcomes? Strikeout, walk, home run. And right now the Cardinals just are not hitting for power. And that's a problem with this team. And that was going to be a concern going into the season. Where's the offense? And whether this is a normal season or not, it was going to be defined by pitching and defense. Defense is a concern right now in this homestand. No question about it. Uh, But the pitching has been really good. So if you're looking at the deadline, it's got to be with, if you do something, maybe adding an arm or two because you got to cover innings and you may lose guys because of the 40 man. If they can try to slip them through, clear them through waivers and get them back into the alternate camp, then you're covered. If not, you got to get creative. If you're looking to improve the immediate, it's something with, if I had to guess, would be with a bat. I, I just don't see them doing that. I think they want to get back. You know, you haven't got Lane Thomas back. You haven't got Ravello back. You haven't gotten to some of the guys that you were counting on because of the COVID situation. So that's something that you have to look at. We'll see. We shall see. Yeah, I don't think that there's going to be any name this year, Dan, where you like see it on Twitter and say, look at the uh, trade and be like, huh. Really? That guy got traded? It's going to be a lot of like the Gerard Dyson, the Taewon Walker, those kind of guys. It's not going to be really impactful players on the move. I wouldn't think, you know, um, you know, I I was when we were in the labor dispute, I thought it would be interesting to see what the Cubs would do. But the Cubs are winning and Cubs are going to go to postseason play. If they got up to a horrible start, I would have said, you know what? Maybe the Cubs are certainly open for business to get rid of some of those contracts. But who wants those contracts? Because you don't know. At this point, where teams are financially, what are those payrolls going to look like? What is the offseason going to look like? It's crazy. It really is. Uh, We'll cross it over. Rivs and BK next on 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Alex Ferrario coming in for the crossover. Ribs and BK and Alex coming up. And um, it's giving Alex a little trouble here. He's got his playoff beard going. <laughs> or it's either just a little lighter version of Lance Lynn. I'm not sure what we got going here. You know what, Danny? Uh, Lance Lynn is so fun in those postgame conferences when he was in St. Louis. That I best. thought, why not, uh, why not envy him and go off of him? You know, I'd like to call it the playoff beard, but of course the Blues were knocked out. I'd like to call it the uh, the pandemic beard, but we're not locked up anymore. So I have no excuse for this other than looking like Grizzly Adams. Lance Lynn told me one time, he said, Danny Mack, he said, uh, he said the, the he was really on a roll too. He was, he was pitching really well. He said, he said, man, I'll tell you what. He said, I'm on a good roll. And I said, yeah, Danny, or, uh, yeah, Lance. He said, Danny Mack, he said, the better I pitch, he said, the better looking I get. He said, it's just amazing <laughs> how that works. And you know what? I don't blame Lance Lynn for growing a beard as long as he can, because when you work in the Yankees system and you can't have any facial hair, yeah. I'd want it back he's immediately. The, he's the best. He was. He, he's, a, he's a good guy, too. Jimmy and I used to uh, always would laugh. Because oh, yeah. he would he would ask the questions and you know what you're getting from Lance yeah and then he just kind of you know Jim would slide eye at everybody and see what the reaction is. I mean it was just he did it on purpose I made sure I was down there for post games when he pitched because it was so entertaining he he uh, 
he texted Jim and I, and he said, because we were giving him trouble. I, I can't remember. Where he, I guess it was with Texas he signed. And we said, are you doing the Lance Lynn stuff? And he's like, yeah. He said, I wanted to fly you guys down here to show him that I actually can be a nice person to the media. <laughs> See, that's the thing with him, though. Everybody thought, is, oh, he must be. My friends and my cousins and my family would ask, oh, he must be a jerk. Oh, so he's no, the best. He is actually the nicest guy ever. Yes. That's just his shtick. Yeah. And it's so good because everyone knows that that's Lance Lynn. He's just. He would make a mockery of the whole yeah. thing. And you know what? I love those guys that challenge the media with those questions. So yeah. you're not getting the typical. Bennington was the other one. You're not getting the typical. So what happened on that play? Well, what do you think happened on that play? It went in. Right. We well, you know what pitch was that? It was a it was a no. bad pitch. Yeah. What were you thinking? I don't know. <laughs> I was thinking not I needed a good to, pitch. <laughs> to put the ball in my hand and throw it into the catcher. And unfortunately, the hitter got me. Exactly. I loved it. So anyway, he's a beauty. Um, all right. What do you got coming up on Ribs, BK, and Alex? Lots of, uh, ooh, I like that. I'm going to see if we can petition for that. Needs Alex, to be done. Ribs, and BK. I think that's what we're going to go Needs to be with. Alex at the front. Alex, Ribs, and BK. Yeah. I'm not sure BK would like that. I'm not sure Ribs would like that. The whole stipulation for him to do this show with us two crazy people was to have his name in front. Okay, Ribs, BK, and the Big A. The bit, ooh. See, Danny, I love how your Ten mind foil works. Ferrario. You know? Foil Ferrario. Again, that's a much better <laughs> nickname than other ones that I've had. No, we got a yes. lot of baseball talk, of course, after a disappointing two games against ooh, the Pirates. But you know what, Dan? I'm like you. We got baseball, so I don't really care what the outcome is. Keep going with this. It's all good. We got hockey talk, of course, with uh, with Petrangelo's situation, with Tarasenko's situation, and Mike Johnson, uh, an analyst for NBC Sports, is going to join us. I believe a former teammate of Jamie Rivers as well, so you know there's going to be some stories from there. Uh, and we got two fun games that we do on Friday. One is One's Gotta Go, which always frustrates Jamie Rivers, and the other one is Are We Sure, which always confuses Jamie Rivers. So you're in for a treat for the next three hours. He's usually confused anyway, so it's, it's perfect. Confusion from 11 to 2. Awesome. Yeah, that should be the name of the show. Looking forward to it. Have a great weekend, guys. Scotty, Thanks, great job. It's Thanks, next. Buddy. You have been listening to the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, Scoops with Danny Mack on 101 ESPN.